0: in today's culture, in, in the generation that we live in today, we value so much what humans conjure up, um, what, what they pull together, uh, their thoughts and, and, and their viewpoints. We, we value that so much so when we speak at funerals and we speak at you know events and we speak at church services like this one. And it comes time to read Scripture. We're we're so interested in getting our minds blown, so to speak, by uh, whatever the speaker is going to say, um, uh, that the Bible part, we just sort of tune out. Man, I hope the speaker... You know, says something good today. I, I I hope something he says something that that can get me through this next week because this next week is going to be a doozy. I, I I hope that he says something amazing that I never I've never heard before and just blows my mind. And the reading of God's word is hardly noticed and and definitely not the part that is remembered. And most of the time, we'll post online all of us the phrase or. The, the the really thing the thing that really stood out the 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 one liner so to speak um, and and when's the last time someone posted the scripture referenced in the message now don 't get me wrong I like and I remember all those phrases um like everyone else, but there's nothing on this planet like the word of god uh, it's all knowing. It's all-encompassing. It's, it's all-powerful. If there's ever a scripture that I'm going to read to you today, if there's ever a scripture for our culture today, for for our generation today, this is what I, I believe it is. I think I think we're living in a time, and I, I don't know how to describe it, but um, it's like we're in this generation, this whole generation, and we're going through a phase of life, and that phase is the teenage years. You know what I'm talking about, parents, that the teenagers who know everything, like they know They know way more than their parents do. How many know what I'm talking about here today? Okay, I'm not just, yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. I was one of those uh, teenagers, you know. Um, But how many know what I'm talking about when you get a little bit older and you go, oh gosh, I didn't know everything. I'm actually pretty pretty dumb, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm starting to realize that the dumb things that I thought of back then, and I feel like that's the generation that we live in today, that that's where we are, that, that phase, if you will. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, it says, listen to what God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. I want you to contemplate this, this scripture really, I mean, like line by line. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I, I really think this is a huge Uh, thing for the world and the generation I think this is the scripture that 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 we need today that we need God's telling you right here his thoughts are not the same as your thoughts We, we live in a time and I'm not smart enough to understand why this is but but everyone thinks that they know better that maybe it's 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 uh, we're more educated now than we were in the past. Maybe it's, it's that we're more in, uh, overindulged or, or spoiled now. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. You know. Oh, oh that you hear things like oh, oh, that that can't be truth. That that can't be truth. It doesn't line up with my values. So 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 it's not true if it doesn't line up with my values. Everyone wants to, to jump onto Facebook and onto Twitter and, and share their truth because they believe that their way of thinking is so profound and uh, profound and, and everyone believes that they have the end-all, uh, be-all resolutions for things. People love to, to blog their, their thoughts and their ideas and, and publish them for the world to see because they believe that their opinions are, 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 are like facts. That they believe that they're, they're so good. And I want to just say this right now. Tori, Tori, you've got a blog out there, and I I got to tell you, it's phenomenal. I, I, if you haven't had a chance to go, she, she blogs about real-life situations, and she's got scripture in all of it. And it's so cool. And I started panning through. I'm like, holy cow, she's been doing this for a while. It's really cool. You have to take a look at it. Because <clears throat> she's got God's word all wrapped around it. <clears throat> In, in today's world, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there's nothing <clears throat> there's nothing sacred uh, um, people question everything, everything and for the majority, their reasoning their their opinion and their argument is this I, I I would never do that why why would God tell us to do something like that that doesn't just that just doesn't add up to me i I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel like that's the right thing. It just doesn't settle right with me. Why would God, in the Bible, command something like that? And they say, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it really means that. I don't. And they try to tweak and, and, and adjust and, and and make it so that it fits into their mold. So does anybody know what I'm talking about today? They, they use their own thinking and, and, and their own reasoning, and yet God makes it so clear. He says, you know what? Your thoughts, they don't jive with mine. In fact, the Bible says God's thoughts, they're, they're as high as the heavens. I mean, well, literally, the sun is approximately 93 million miles away, and God's saying the way that you and I think, they're that far apart. <clears throat> and that's why that this book of the Bible is so it's so important. It's so important. Now for the thinker that's here today. Stay tuned, okay? You got to stay tuned cuz I'm going to throw out some facts for you to ponder about the Bible. If you're not a thinker like before, you can take a nap. All right? I'm just kidding. The Bible is, first, the Bible is the most authentic, trustworthy historical document in existence today. There's more evidence confirming the evidence or the authenticity, the realness of Scripture than there is to prove Caesar was emperor in Rome or that Washington crossed the Delaware. That's a fact. For over 2,000 years, literally countless organizations have tried to destroy and eradicate the Bible. Roman emperors even trying to get rid of it. One in particular demanded by royal edict in 303 AD that every copy of the Bible be destroyed by fire. He destroyed so many Bibles and he killed so many Christians that when they kind of went silent for a time, he was convinced that he had stopped both Christianity and the Bible. He even made a medal with this inscription: "The Christian religion is destroyed, and the worship of the gods restored." Voltaire, a noted French infidel, died in 1778 and predicted that within a hundred years after his death, Christianity and the Bible would be extinct. Well, Voltaire, here we are at the Bridge Church in 2022. In fact, the fact that it, that, that it still exists and, and, and listen, the copies of it swarm the gold, the globe, uh, is miraculous in itself. The Bible has influenced more people than any other book in existence. It, its message has changed countless lives. Uh, it has changed drunkards and drug addicts into sober, uh, responsible citizens. It's changed criminals into law-abiding citizens. It comforts in, in, in the sad and the hurting. It, it, it satisfies the spiritually hunger, hungry and the thirsty. It gives hope and courage and strength to those in despair. Dr. W.F. Albert from John Hopkins University said, there can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity, or the factual status of the Old Testament. Nelson Gluck, renowned Jewish archaeologist, said, no archaeological discovery has ever contradicted a biblical reference. New information, guys, and findings have always confirmed. <clears throat> They've confirmed Scripture and never Disproved it. Never. Fact. The unity of Scripture is a miracle all in itself. The Bible was written over a 1400 or 1600 year span of 40 or more different writers all with varying backgrounds. I mean, you talk about poets and kings and farmers and fishermen and doctors and philosophers and statesmen, and they lived, listen to me, they lived in different time periods and, 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 and on three different continents. Yet with all of that diversity working against them, if you will, they wrote with impeccable continuity. <clears throat> one moral system, one plan of salvation, and one major thing, man, that was Jesus Christ. There, were, there are over, th- listen to me, 300 prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming. By the way, who was here at the prophecy back to the basics yesterday? Raise your hand across this building. It was awesome, wasn't it? I'm excited about the next ones. <clears throat> and by the way, you can join and, and get in. We're just getting started. I think we got seven more. I think Zeke, don't we? So join us. It's on Saturdays, all right? Uh, Check it out. Sign up. All right, so 300 prophecies concerning Jesus' first coming. 29 prophecies fulfilled in one 24-hour period surrounding his death, all right? These prophecies were were by different people in five different centuries— Okay, And in a book called called Science Speaks by Peter Stoner, and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worthy of it again, he applies the science of probability using just not 300, not 29, but eight prophecies concerning Jesus, all right, just eight. That probability is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's a one with 17 zeros behind it. That's unfathomable, all right? Um, um, so much so that the writer uses this illustration to kind of help us understand really what that number means. He said, cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars. Go out and mark just one of those silver dollars. Drop it from an airplane somewhere over Texas. I want you to go stir all the silver dollars up thoroughly across all of the state, and then blindfold someone. Blindfolded. Let them travel anywhere in the state that they want, stopping only once at the spot of their choice, dig into the silver dollars and pick out that one marked silver dollar. The chance of a person being able to pick the marked silver dollar in just one try is the same chance as one man fulfilling only eight messianic prophecies. The fulfillment of just these eight prophecies proves that only God himself inspired the writing of those prophecies. You know what the thing is, though? All 300 plus prophecies were fulfilled in just one person. And guess whose his name is? The scriptures were written by eyewitnesses. These are facts, guys. Luke tells us in Acts, to these he also presented himself, this is Jesus, "um, presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs. You remember Thomas, right? Show me. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And that's in Acts. John wrote, What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. And Peter, he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Listen, our entire judicial system rests on the premises of eyewitnesses. Shouldn't this give some great credibility right there to the authenticity of the scripture? When we write a resume resume about ourselves, we try to highlight and embellish our strengths and emphasize the positive. And, of course, we try to downplay our weaknesses. But the Bible does the exact opposite. The Bible tells it like it is, never covering up the truth, never covering up the sins and imperfections of the most prominent characters in the Bible. David's sin with Bathsheba, uh, Moses killing an Egyptian, Peter's uh, denial of Jesus, Paul and uh, Barnabas' uh, disagreement, um, I, uh, this is something that that everyone else would say, oh, you know, the, the Bible is is just telling you the good stuff. That's not what happens here. That's not what happens. The Bible claims to be the, listen, this is the last one, the Bible claims to be the very word of God. In the Old Testament, we see statements like, and the Lord spoken to Moses saying, the Lord hath spoken, uh, then saith then said the Lord unto Isaiah. It also said Moses was commanded to write what God told him in a book. Statements like this right here that I just mentioned occur over 3,800 times within the Bible in the Old Testament. Uh, so the Old Testament claims to be the word of God. The New Testament, it says things like in First Thessalonians, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And in Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired is God-breathed. Okay, And then in 2 Peter, the last verse, but now... This first of all, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. These facts, guys, that I just went through, are, are just the tip of the iceberg. There's no way we would have time. They have apologetics. Uh, seminars and things that go on for days. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I, I sure wish, guys, I sure wish this generation would humble themselves. They would humble themselves because I know our generation, that we struggle so much with the idea of truth. This generation believes that you can decide your version of the truth. And you and you believe your own thoughts, and you believe uh, your value and your thoughts are greater, and that's why Isaiah fifty-five stands out like a like a sore thumb, if you will, today in today's world. Uh, it rubs against us the wrong way because it's God's reminding us how we stack up against Him. And the next time someone says, hey, hey, you want to know what I think? (laughs) No. I I, I really don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. I I don't care what I feel. Okay? I I mean, I've been here only 59 short years. Who cares what I think? God's thoughts are so much greater and and they're eternal. And for those of you who would like to try to figure out how to mold it and tweak it and adjust God's word to fit the values or your values and and your viewpoints, here's some words of God right at the very end of the book uh, uh, of the Bible. In Revelations chapter 22, it says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part of the tree of life and from the holy city which was which are also written in this book. you think we ought to be careful to make sure that we're we're dealing with the Word of God yes, yes. properly in my lifetime guys and it's I feel like it's in my lifetime i've watched this this shift that this shift happen we're, where, where trust has completely vanished, where, 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 where a, a reverence, reverence is gone, it's gone, that these seem to be a lost character trait in today's world, in today's generation. Can you imagine, and I'd like for you to just think about this just for a minute in your mind. In fact, if you want to just close your eyes for a moment, can you imagine if right now, if God tore the roof off of this place and started speaking to us from heaven in a a voice that you could hear, we could all hear, how intently would you be listening? Isaiah 66, chapter 2, it says, My hands have made both heaven and earth They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. God says, this is what I'm looking for again. I'm going to bless them. When is the last time you've trembled at the word of God. So I began to think. What would that look like this morning? What, what would that, can you imagine, can you imagine, just imagine that, that in your mind, that, that kind of power, that, that, that kind of respect, that kind of reverence, that kind of love, that, that kind of trust. I, I, think, I think that would be more than just leading here, feeling, oh, I, I, I was moved today. Or, or, or we often say, wow, that, that message convicted me, Pastor. No, here's what I think. I think after finding the nearest restroom to change my trousers, we quickly do whatever God said for us to do. Whatever he said. I mean whatever. God the Almighty just said something, you know. And and, and that same God who spoke the stars into the the, the moon, the the, the sky, and the the, the land, and the trees, and every creature, everything into existence. No, no, no. I, I think we'd be trembling at his word and quickly just do what he asked me to do. You know what? Sometimes I think in this generation, if God tore the roof off of this place and, and started speaking to us, I feel like some of us still might say, well, why? Why, God? It's so entrenched in, in us. Why? Why? Okay, God, let me, let me think about it for a little bit. You know what? I don't think it's that, that we don't hear the quality or, or, or enough of his word. You know what? We've never had more access to such incredible sermons in the history of all of the world. No, no, no. I think it's an attitude. I think it's an attitude that says, "You know what? I don't really, I don't really need that sermon. You know, uh, it's it's a it's it's a mask kind of. We come for other reasons, but I really, I've, I've got this myself. In Scripture, they took things so literally when God said it, like, "Follow me." They just did it. There was a respect, there was a complete a complete reverence for God. Today, we do it so elusively, we bounce it off of our own views first, you know, like, you know, like we're something, and it adds up. And if it doesn't add up in our mind, we're like, ah, I'm not going to do it. And that's how we respond to God's spoken word today. When Jesus tells his disciples, follow me, what do you think he wanted them to do? Well, let me, let me think through this. Let me, let me pray about it. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Someone's response when the son of God said, follow me, was, okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. My loved one has passed away. I, I, I need to, to go bury the dead. And, and here's how he responded to that. Not even that was more important. He said, let the dead bury themselves. Tremble at my words. Respect my word. Trust my word. I asked you to follow me. It it may not even. It may not make sense to you. In fact, I'm going to tell you this way. It's more likely it won't make sense to you when he says to follow me. Let's look at what he said to this rich young ruler, who asked. What do I I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to be saved? Jesus said, sell all your possessions, give your money to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the Bible says he walked away sad. And Jesus said, oh man, it's so hard for guys like that. And today, we'll preach, we'll give you God's spoken word And you leave, you know, convicted in your heart. You leave saying, man, God God just wrecked me today. I mean, like, today's service was so awesome, you know. But you leave, you know, really unchanged. Because like the rich young ruler, listen to me close, like the rich young ruler, it's your ways and your thoughts you truly plan to follow in your heart. Jesus says, it's hard for guys like that to give up that stuff. It's hard for guys like that to give his own ways up. It's hard for guys like that to, to give up his own ideas about things and, and come and follow me. He said, man, it'd be harder to, to grab that camel over there and stick him through the eye of the needle. And by the way, you might be thinking, wow, this is the one time I'm glad I'm not rich. But, But... You already know this. Even the poorest in America are more wealthy than the overwhelming majority of this world. You are some of the wealthiest people in this world sitting in this room right now. But in contrast to the rich young ruler, we just need to read what Jesus says in the very next chapter after the rich young ruler in Luke 19. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was, by all, he was a crook. And it says he was very rich. So right after Jesus says, it's hard, but it's possible for the rich to inherit eternal life, Jesus sees Zacchaeus, another rich guy. And Zacchaeus is eternally ashamed of what he does for a living, but it pays great. And Jesus says in front of everyone in town, Zacchaeus, <laughs> let's, let's go grab some dinner. I'm going to come over to your house. And Zacchaeus knew just how crooked he had been, so maybe maybe he did. Maybe he was trembling, you know, because he had heard about Jesus and all of the miracles that he had performed. And so Jesus has dinner with Zacchaeus, and that that had to be, all I can say is that had to be a powerful encounter with Jesus. The presence of Jesus there. And then what Jesus must have said to him and, and, and everything. All, all I know is that Zacchaeus goes at the end of it. He says, hey, everyone, I've got an announcement. He says, half of everything I own, I'm going to give to the poor immediately. And you know what? The other stuff, everything, the rest everything, the rest of it, I'm giving four times. I know that I've stolen it from you. I'm giving you four times, whatever I took from you, I'm paying you all back. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, today, salvation has come to your house. Look, look at the difference between these two rich guys. And I want you to pay close attention to this because they both encountered Jesus. Hear me? They both interacted. They both Related, they, they both encountered Jesus. I believe the rich young ruler thought that he was better off going through his ways and his ideas, and you know, he'd rather do it his way. Maybe there's a lack of trust, a lack of reverence there. He, he valued his own perspective, his own views, more than he valued Jesus's. He, he, he thought, he thought, he thought his ways were better than his, than Jesus's. And he walked off, the Bible says, sad. And Jesus said, man, it's so hard for guys like that to, to make it into heaven. But Zacchaeus said, here's what Zacchaeus said, I'll give you everything gladly. In fact, the Bible says it like this. It says, the Bible says, with exceeding joy, I give everything. I give everything. I believe that's what God wants from us. The story of Zacchaeus. It's not a sad one. It's not a depressing one. It's more like, wow, that's amazing stuff right there. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Shall we stand? Jesus always makes it real simple. I didn't say easy. He makes it real simple. So if you're here today, everybody's heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you've been following Jesus And I don't care, by the way, I don't care for how long, if it's been for a month or six months or six years or 60 years. I don't care how long it's been. Jesus is speaking to you right now. This is the spoken word of God. He's speaking to you right now. And he's saying, listen to what he's saying. Go. 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 And make disciples. For me. That's what he's saying to you. If you're here today. And, and you've, you've just been. I mean like. You've just been introduced to Jesus. Just been introduced to him. Jesus is speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you, his spoken word, and he's saying, hey, follow me. Follow me. Once they met Jesus, just looked at James and John and said, hey, follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. And if you're here today and you've never met Jesus, Salvation has not come to your house, to your heart yet. I'm telling you right now that God is speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you these these words. For I so love the world that I gave my only son so that everyone, so that if, if you believe in him, you're not going to perish, but have eternal life. Guys, regardless of which stage or which phase that you are, which one of those situations that you're in, this this right here is God's hope for your response to him today. Because you've got to do something. God has spoken and this is what he wants for a response in any one of those three situations he wants you to trust him he wants you to believe him realize realize, he loves you more than you can comprehend and here's what he wants he wants you to set aside your ways he wants you to set aside your thoughts because his ways and his thoughts are so much higher and so much better listen to me today please don't walk out of here like that rich young ruler did listen to me he met he met the creator of everything the all-knowing, the all-powerful. And he thought, he thought, I'm just gonna continue to go my own way. I, I, I can do this myself. I value my thoughts and my ideas more. Because if you do that, you're gonna walk away just like he did, unfulfilled, unchanged, dejected. And here's what I pray that everyone does respond. I, res- I pray that you'll respond revering the word, and I mean revering the word of God. Revering the word of God that God has spoken to you today. Trusting him like never before. Roman came up to me the other day and he said, Trustful? I said, What? He was trustful what he wanted me to do is he wanted me to get behind him and he was going to fall and I had to catch him. I want to fall into Jesus like that. I want to trust him in his word. That's what he wants for you today. That's what he wants for you today. He wants you by doing all that, you're realizing that God's ways and God's thoughts are so much better and so much higher than yours. And he wants you to walk out of here today like Zacchaeus did, with exceeding joy.